everyone. Thanks for watching or listening to episode 28 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes and Spotify, a nice review would be nice so those media monsters can push Bell to Bell. I'm Steve Lillis. With me, as always, my co-host, John Evans. You okay, John? Yeah, very good, Steve. And we've got uh, someone who's used to football. He's taking on the hat-trick ball, isn't he, today? That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there he is, our special guest. Um, third time on this. It's a journalist who pulls no punches. One of the very best in the business. Very knowledgeable man indeed. The Daily Star's Chris McKenna. He must be good because he's one of the few journalists who Buncey even praises to me. So there you go. That tells you all you need to know, John. About yeah, I, I mean, I'm in uh, in big company there, am I? Bloody yeah. hell, and I've got a big billing to live up to yet again. But yeah. maybe, maybe third time lucky this time, I will. If Big Daddy Grumpy Muncie <laughs> bigs you up, mate, you're you're okay by most people. Fellas, you know, you both know it works. Well, you, John, you're on every week. You know, it's for, for those who are, who, are, who are bell to bell virgins. We have six rounds, three minutes each round. And if you're still talking at the end of the three minutes, just show our new listeners, John, what happens. John, you're going to start us off as always this week. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big Derek Chisora fan. I, I like that type of heavyweight. I, heavyweight is the only division which provides genuine lunatics, and I'm a, I'm a big Derek Chisora fan. But it's nine years since he lost to Vitaly Klitschko. It's six years since he slept walk through that rematch with Fury when he looked terrible. It's three and a bit years since he, he resurrected his career with Carlos Takam. And somehow Del Boy is headlining pay-per-views. Um, now, it wouldn't surprise me this week if he beats Joseph Park. You know, if, if you look at Parker against Leah Pye, yeah. I thought he looked awful. And I'd maybe have Chisora the favourite this weekend. But two questions just pop in my mind. Um, what's the end game for Derek? He, he, he can't beat Fiori. He's not going to get another shot. Joshua's tied up. Maybe in 18 months down the line, if Del Boy's still around, it's an attractive first defence if Joshua can beat Fiori. But is Del Boy still going to be around at that point? Um, so, so what's the end game for Derek? And should we be paying for the privilege of watching him do it? Now, as much as I like Derek, I think that's a definite no. Um, we, we shouldn't be paying to top up Derek's pension pot in these fringe world title level fights. So uh, what's your thoughts on it? Well, I'll, I'll just be brief for once. Um, I don't think it's a pay-per-view fight. I think there's nothing wrong with a fight. Two guys that, the, you know, are, are in the, the, you know, the, going into the last st station of their career. Um, I think going on their last fights, I think you think, Del Boy wins. He looked all okay against Usyk. The other fella, Parker, looked awful against Far. The, the 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 end game for Del Boy is counting his bank balance. He's not going to get a world title fight unless the belts become fragmented. He's not going to be out be about in eighteen months' time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that is the end. I don't think there is an end game in in a way. I think this is just get as much money as possible before he does retire. I mean, I've lost count of the amount of times I've asked. Uh, Chisora before a fight if you lose this is that it and every time he just says no retirement's for pussies I'm not I won't be retiring no matter what happens so this week I'll probably ask him again and he'll probably tell me the same answer so as it's like I could not have ever guessed that night when he got absolutely just walked over by fury in that rematch that in five six years we would still be one watching Derek Chisora fight never mind him headlining back-to-back pay-per-views so it is a surprise it's 
it's a fun fight. It's not pay-per-views, definitely not on its own. Um, but it's a fun, fun heavyweight fight. It's going to be interesting to see what Chisora's got left, but also if Andy Lee can can make any changes to kind of reignite Joseph Parker because he has got a bit of talent, but he has looked very stale since those back-to-back defeats against Joshua and um, Didion White. So that's going to be the kind of uh, intriguing factor of it. But um, when's the end game? Who knows with Derek? Yeah. And uh, just, just before I ring the bell, I best say uh, sorry to those anal ones listening. I meant Junior Farr instead of Alex Leopai. All those Australians and New Zealanders all the same. Auckland is raging. Auckland is <laughs> raging. Right. Time to cash in. i tell you what I want to talk about. A boxer who really put a smile on my face at the weekend. Felix Cash. I always thought he was he was, uh, he was an okay, decent middleweight. But I thought he was brilliant at the weekend against Denzel Bentley. You give Denzel Bentley a pass because Felix Cash was so good. And I'm thinking of recent British title wins when people have, fan- could have made a big cases for either men. And he was as impressive as any of these winners. Callum Johnson against Frank Buglioni after 18 months out. Walk through Buglioni. Buglioni had beaten Richards and Hosey Burton in his previous fights. Callum Smith, Rocky Fielding. Fielding was 21 and 0, blown away in a minute. Liam Williams, so dominant against Mark Heffron. Um, fantastic that night. Heffron unbeaten. Just walk through him. He was every bit as impressive as those guys, in my opinion, Saturday night, who got lavish such praise. You know, we're talking their British title, you know, win- winning British title fights in what was seen as 50-50 fights in recent times. He, he was absolutely brilliant, I thought. He didn't waste a shot. He just, he had a look on, I mean, at the press conference last Wednesday, he had that shine to his skin. And I, I just thought he was, everything he did was brilliant. And he looks to me, he'll walk through the Italian, Matteo Signani, for sure. And do you know what? I fancy him to go on at world level and I would give him a chance against Chris Eubank Jr. even. Well, I think he beats Chris Eubank Jr. now. I mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't put that past him, I think. He's got all that amateur pedigree behind him. He's he's got so people kind of forget about that and they just look at the pro record. But he won tournaments all over the world as an amateur. He knows what it takes to win big fights. Um, and yeah, okay, perfect. Go for that European title. Another great learning fight. He'll win it. Um, as you said, Steve. Um, I think quite comfortably. I haven't seen a lot of the Italian, but judging by his record, it doesn't yeah. look like he 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 put up much to cash. But you know what, as well, it's great to see somebody proud to go and win the British, the Commonwealth, and now also want to win the European. Doing it the old school way. I know Lawrence Coley did it quite recently, won the Commonwealth, the British, the European, and then won the world title. And that's that's the great ground. And you learn so much more going through those levels rather than fighting for intercontinental belts against uh, Eastern Europeans that nobody ever's ever heard of. Yeah. The thing that stood out from watching Cash against Bentley was, I know Denzel grew up, First put gloves on on the block on his estate, didn't he? But his brother bought up a market. But everything Felix did was just tighter, sharper and straighter, wasn't it? And, he, you know, the, the golfing experience really showed up. Denzel's got, Denzel can come again. Talented raw fighter, but Felix really did look the part. Over to you, Chris, for your first topic. Yes, so um, obviously the big talk is AJ Fury at the minute. When's it going to happen? Where's it going to happen? We know it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. And look, there's a lot of reasons why fights shouldn't be happening in Saudi Arabia. That's a whole other debate, human rights and all of that. 
But if they're going there, they're going there. If they're going there, they're going there for the money. Be honest to the fans. I'm getting a bit bored of both fighters. And Anthony Joshua again said it recently and Jonathan Ross that, oh, Wembley would be ideal. It's all about the fans. Tyson Fury calls himself the people's champion, but he has said he doesn't want to fight in Britain ever again in his career. So can we not just be honest to these people? Because these people have paid paid their hard-earned money to support these guys throughout their careers. Um, they've helped sell out Wembley. They've bought pay-per-views. So they deserve to know what's going on. They're going to Saudi Arabia. They're going there for the money. That's fair enough. But it's not all about the fans. It's not for the fans. It's for their pay packets. And that's fair. The heavyweight fighters, they take a hell of a lot of risk. They provide entertainment for us. They want to get the big money they, and go to the Middle East for it. Go for it. But it's not for the fans. It's for their purses. It's for everybody involved to get very wealthy off the back of it. And also, they all deserve it. They've all built these, they've built these fighters. They've taken risks. They've put money up on the line. But this fight's not for the fans. It's, um, it's all about the money. And the fans are going to be denied that chance to see it live. It's going to, if it happens this summer, it's going to be in the middle of a pandemic. There's probably going to be no international travel. So they're going to miss out. They'll get to see the fight on pay-per-view. And if they're happy with that, fair enough. But I think there's a lot of people outside of boxing who still don't believe that it won't happen at Wembley. They can't believe it. It's two British fighters. Why is it not at Wembley? And I think part of that's down to how the fighters are speaking about Wembley all the time. And I think that needs to stop. Yeah, if if the fighters keep saying Wembley, it takes some of that pressure off them, doesn't it? They can say, oh, you know, the promoters have taken it there. I'm worried it sets a precedent that all the big fights end up in Saudi Arabia. Can you imagine if if it's a massive massive success? I've heard that there might be twenty thousand people in the arena over there. If it is a huge smash and the pay per view sales are through the roof and Saudi gets shown in a a good light, a terrible precedent that we could get all fights out there. I know it's been rumours for years, hasn't it? And we always pull out at the last minute. But this could be the, the one that really kickstarts it. We already had rumours of Pacquiao and uh, Crawford fighting out there in the Middle East. I just wonder if this is a real big success, makes a load of money, then big fights might be taken away from these shows for a long, long time. I just think if there wasn't a pandemic, we, there, there, should, there should be... The pandemic gives them the excuse not to have it in Britain. So I accept that. And as you say, Chris, they're going for the money. Be upfront about it, Joshua Fury and all their camps. But... Um, if they, if they, this should be look. If there was no pandemic. This should be. A, this should have been at Wembley and no other place. First time ever, Britain have one or two, and it'd still be enough money to go around. Yeah. Now, uh, this weekend, Mick Conlon, uh, for all intents and purposes, it's a final eliminator for a world title, isn't it? Uh, he's fighting Ayanot Baluta, decent Romanian, down at Super Bantamweight, the lightest Mick's been since his debut. Um, and I just think this is the time now for Mick. Cal Frampton's retired. There's a big, Chris will know more about this than me, but there's a big space there to fill. And I think Mick is the guy who can do it. We've got James Tennyson, exciting fighter, but he's not got that star quality Mick's got. People like Paddy Donovan and Lewis Crocker, who we're big fans of, they're very talented, but they're three or four, five years behind Mick in terms of development. I just think Mick's bubbled under slightly as a professional. His profile's massive. He's a popular, funny guy but I don't think he's quite turned it on as a pro yet. And I think it's got to start this weekend. If he wins, he's straight in the mix with Fulton, Lewis Neary, um, Akmadliev, who we beat in the world finals. Uh, there's massive fights there, but it's time now for Mick to really stamp his authority as a professional, I think. Yeah, I think it's kind of maybe that kind of momentum that Frampton had, he hasn't had. It's He's obviously from a different background, but I think it's also the fact that he's been built in America 
as well by top rank. And yeah. that's that's fair play because they've got a big market over there for him and it's making his name over there. But I think he obviously had that big fight in Belfast. Um, the big outdoor fight was that a couple of years ago, yeah. which showed that he has got yeah. that pulling power when they do it. Yeah. So I think when we get the crowds back, and as you say, John, that the Frampton's gone and Belfast and Northern Ireland needs another new sporting hero. He's from the other side of the fence, but maybe he might be able to have that kind of uniting factor as well that Frampton had and bring both sides together and that they all kind of get behind Mick and uh, he goes on and, and wins world titles in front of packed out venues. I hope he can go on and win world title. You know, I, we, I've done a lot of stuff with him. John, I think no, most probably knows him even better than me. I mean, my lo- his family, I know his dad, his brother, they're both, they're lovely, a lot, his mum, they're a lovely family. But I wonder, he stu- though he's seen glimpses of it, I still haven't seen that standout performance that tells me he's got that X factor to become become another Frampton in the ring. We've shown glimpses of it. And you look, he's number one in the world with a WB ho um, right now. And him and Steve, I mean, I know Thornton's looking at some unification, but, you know, he's, they, they don't mess around with mandatories. If he had to fight Stephen Fulton, that is a really, really hard fight. Frampton will tell you all about him. For me, he's spelling Manchester a couple of years ago. Um, and he, I know he impressed Jamie Moore and everybody there. I, I think, you know, as you say, we do need this big performance of him this weekend because we've, as you, we've seen those flashes of what he can do, but we st- I still haven't seen that one 10 out of 10 performance, we're going to say, that tells me, you know, another Irish great in the making. Go on, Steve. Round four, will the sunshine, Murati Milani against Sonny Edwards. Um <laughs> What a great fight on Friday night. And I, I just, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of Mathlani. I look, I've looked at him. I've seen the knockout against, I think it was Casemiro. And I had a good look at the Muhammad Wasim fight the other day, which was um, a, a unbelievable. Um, you know, really, really exciting fight. He's won his last four fights on the road or five defences. I think he'll title win and four fights on the road not exactly been murderers row. And I just wonder if one uh, Frank Warren's had a bad run at the time. And I've just got a hunch. Frank over the years has been right fight, right time. The knack of getting it right. So often Hatton with zoos, the one stand out. And I've just got a, a feeling he's got it right this week. You know, Sonny isn't the strongest, but he's brilliant defensively and busy. And I think that that's the th- sort of thing that could be wrong for a 38-year-old um, who hasn't boxed for 17 months. His last fight 17 months ago was against a Japanese veteran. And just from, you know, um, Yagagashian, from reading it, it was 1,200 punches thrown and he was flat to the balls to win it. Edwards has had that, was it 10 rounds against Thomas Asomba since? I've just got a feeling this is right fight, right time for Sonny. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Well, the, the only thing that the question mark is we haven't seen really Sonny at this level before. We know he's got a lot of talent. We know he's got, he showed some of the skills he's got. But when you do step up in level, sometimes you kind of, um, just not I'm getting found out is the wrong kind of phrase, but you know what I mean, where it's just, he, you find out that I'm not ready for that elite level. It kind of happened to his brother in his first world title shot. Yeah. And he had to go away contest, and rebuild yeah. and come back and, and that. But as you said, Steve, I think, this could be just the kind of the fight at the right time that it, it, this guy hasn't fought since December 2019, I think. So that inactivity at his age, he's quite a slow fighter as well. Sonny's quite a fast, skillful back foot fighter. So 
it may be just the right time for him. Um, but we're going to learn a lot about Sonny Edwards in this fight and we're going to kind of find out if he's ready or if this is too early for him. The, the big question is, can Sonny take the shot? You know, he's been put over a couple of times, yeah. but Sonny's fully aware of that. I, I just get the impression we're going to see a definite answer to is Sonny Edwards good enough? I think he'll either be fantastic and box his head off, as, as we know he can, or he won't be able to take the power. But I'm with you too. I, I just think Sonny's got something about him. He's got, he carries himself in a certain way as if he's going to perform on the big stage when the pressure's on. I think we'll get the best Sonny Edwards we've seen, and I think he'll do it, you know. I think we'll have a new world champion. We need it. I think Frank, Frank deserves a change of luck after the last couple of weeks, Denzel and Liam Williams. He does. Final, final round, Chris, and it's over to you. Yeah, so um, I, I was watching an interview with Eddie Hearn recently talking about his new broadcast deal. He's refused to confirm or deny he's going to the zone, but it looks like he's going to take his, his UK operation to the zone. And there was just a little worrying point in it, I found. He's obviously talking about the Matro Media arm and they're going to do all of the production of side of things. And that is great. Uh, that's fine. They, if they're going to run the show, run the event, they can put on some good documentaries. They've yeah. done some good ones already with Lawrence Coley, with Campbell Hatton. No problem there. But a worrying thing I found in it is that he said he will be deciding the broadcast team and he will be controlling or Matron will control the narrative of the whole fight. And I just think that is wrong. One, because if they're going to the zone, they've got two, two people that they use quite regularly, Paul Smith and Alex Arthur, who are two guys who are not afraid to speak their mind. We need critical thinking of these fights. Um, we need honest uh, punditry. We don't want to have pundits who are either all on side with, with their home fighters or afraid to say something against the away fighter because they've been told they've got to build a certain narrative. And in the lead up as well, we need to give you need to give the kind of viewers honest kind of a preview to the fight. An example I'll go back to is before the Dillian White Pavek in the first fight. All the build up was like poor Dillian's never had his world title shot. He's been so hard done by blah blah blah. Nobody that week on on the was was saying, well, he's turned down this chance. He's turned down four million to fight Anthony Joshua. He's had this issue. He's had this issue. It was all just one narrative. You need critical thinking. You need critical questions, and you need to give and the audience, people outside the sport, a balanced view. Otherwise, they're going to get fed up. They're just going to be sold one side of the story, and it's going to lead to. And if the zone are going to be a serious broadcaster, not just in boxing, they can't allow him to do that. They need to take control of stuff like that. Yeah, you know what? You wonder. Look, oh, the, the, you know the production they do, Matchroom do it. You know their YouTube, um, the documentaries, the Campbell Hatton thing was, was phenomenal, uh, and you know a lot of the stuff they got a they've got a big army of media people that work there doing this stuff, and the job they do is fantastic. You can't not knock that. Um, you know, the, the picking talent, all that. Is, is quite disturbing and worrying. But I think, you know, I agree with every word you say, but you just got to think, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and see what they churn up if, as it were, when they go to the zone. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's going to be, but it's going, is it going, it's going down that route of Eddie's plan to become a dominant force like the UFC, where you, you could eat, you know, have, you could, you could have, you have the matchroom boxing council with their own belts, matchroom boxing organization. You can see that sort of thing long term. Eddie's looking five, 10 years down the line with this. And, you know, um, and it's quite worrying, you know, do they, you know, do they, you know, bring in their own 
governing body as such, their own, instead of a board of control, will they bring that sort of thing could happen in it? It's just the way he's talking in general is a takeover and ha how he wants the sport run. Um, yeah, picking the talent's worrying, but you know what? There's some people you know, who are likely to be involved. You know, say if Paul Smith, Alex Arthur on, they speak their mind, particularly... Smigger, but you know, will will they be involved? I really hope Paul's involved because he deserves it, he, and he's very, very good. It's it's terrible. Sky hardly use him now. Um, you know, it's worrying, but I think it's part of this whole UFC plan that Eddie's got to to sort of have you know maybe eight, six, seven hundred fighters in that match room or five hundred, we say, in match room, and he pick and chooses and matches them as they want. That that is the way he's thinking. Whether it can work in boxing. We don't know. You know, it can zone work in Britain. We don't know. They don't have a, a football contract. It's going to be very hard for them to get off the ground, whatever, whatever boxing, whatever, whatever boxing he has. Yeah, you know, it's disturbing. But I know it, it is disturbing. But I know, John, I was going to ask on this when you mentioned this topic. The UFC, how critical are their commentators and their, and their build up to fights um, on certain fighters and what could happen, John? So I don't follow UFC at all. It, it, it's, it, it's tricky because, oh, it's not tricky at all, but very honest. Um, one of the commentators on it, comedian Joe Rogan, he's yeah, like, know, he's yeah. a fanatic. You know, he's not just been bought in by the UFC. He's a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt who can really fight. You know, he was a, a taekwondo champion and all this. And he was watching, give people a potted history of it, he was watching UFC way back in the 90s when it first started. And there was a rival organization called Pride in Japan. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. And the people from UFC never thought the people in Pride, apart from the odd uh, showcase appearance. And there was always talk about who's going to win. You know, who'd, who's better, Pride or UFC? Eventually, UFC bought Pride and just absorbed it. And now UFC is dominant. The reason I can't see it happening in boxing, there's so many different channels. You know, it's not just as if there's one competitor to match room. You've got PBC, you've got Showtime, you've got BT. That's just three off the top of my head. You've got Triller making noise. You can't buy all of these things. So no matter what happens, there are always going to be champions on the opposite side of the road. The only way it can work is if he's got a 10-year, five-year, 10-year plan, but a fan's going to stick with it for five or 10 years. A, a fan's going to subscribe to an app which you've got to get on your television and when they pay for that app, they know they're only going to get fights which are in-house between that stable. I, I don't think it'll last. Um, I think if you're going to absorb all the fighters under one umbrella, you've got to buy some other companies up. You, you've got to buy the talent. You can't just pretend that your little group is the, the only one that matters when there's something else on Showtime pay-per-view. I, I don't think people will go for that. I, yeah. I don't know how they're going to get around it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, you wonder how the broadcaster, you know, going on the broadcast, how it's going to go, it, particularly in Britain. If you look at Britain now, you've got, okay, let's start. Sky, BT, I'm just, you, you might be able to add to this, Channel 5, um, Box Nation still going just about, um, broadcasting stuff. Um, Dennis Hobson, new one. Dennis Hobson, Fight Zone. I, I counted seven the other day. You've got MTK streaming shows. Um, uh, Black Flash, Steve Wood. Black Flash, Steve Wood stream shows free of charge. You know, it's it's unbelievable. I think there's something like eight or nine outlets in this country. I think I've I've, I've left one out there. Um, 
it, you just wonder where it's all going to go. And we might also wonder what Sky are going to do with boxing now. But I, I think Eddie's plan is, um, you know, domination and forming a UFC type. Now, I, I, I don't know whether it's going to work or, or not. Or maybe I'm, I'm edging towards, I'm not as certain as you are, John. But um, the, the way the way he's been operating the last couple of years, I won't put anything past him doing this and nearly and pulling it off. I think the problem is with the broadcasting and that if it's so one-sided towards the home fighters, an example, it will end up being like saying if if MUTV, Manchester United TV, got the Premier League rights and they were putting on all the games and Liverpool fans and Leeds fans and whoever had to tune in and they were watching Man United TV and all it was was how great Solskjaer is and no critical questions of Solskjaer if there's a major issue brewing. That'll be the other thing I'm on about is that if there's a big issue in the fight, but it's negative on the home fighter, on the matchroom fighter, if the broadcaster is appointed by the promoter or to the, the journalist, the broadcast journalist, the pundits, they're not going to ask those fighters awkward questions. They're not going to put Eddie Hearn on the spot. Whereas a Sky, although they have been in very close ties with them, the same way BT are in close ties with Frank Warren, I still think they have some kind of independency where they can step back and go, hold on a minute. It's certainly Sky Sports News and go, there's a major issue with this fight. This guy is not going to make the weight. Why is this fight here? Why is this fight happening now? Why is he, why is he not fighting this guy over on the other side now? If they're controlling the narrative, they're not going to be allowing questions like that. Why isn't X, Y, and Z fighting the guy on the other side? Or why isn't he going to America to fight him? If they only want to keep it in, they want to keep it all in-house those kind of questions. I think that's where you will lose fans because fans will tune in expecting like a, an, an evenly kind of debate. They'll expect tough questions if there's a major issue. And if they're not getting that, I think they'll tune off even if they manage to get onto the zone. Yeah, the media side of it is something I worry about. You know, at that point, you made more than the, the punditry side. I mean, that... Let's give it a benefit of the doubt for now and see what happens and jump on if it goes on the media side. Sure. But just wondering, taking what you said just a bit forward there, Chris, do you think this with matchroom at the zone, it could end up like the football where, you know, Eddie wants to, have, you know, run the narrative where they totally manage who speaks to these fighters like you do with football. Like, you know, how hard it is speaking to a footballer one to one now, unless you're going to stick Adidas on the bottom and you're invited by a PR. Um, I hope not. I hope not. Um, like there obviously is that fear, and there's obviously when they get to a superstar status like an Anthony Joshua, yeah, it's very sure hard to get interviews got... with them. But I hope it doesn't happen at a lower level. I hope it's still quite open because although new media is the thing, and I'm I understand what Eddie's on about where it's social media drives so much and Instagram yeah. and 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 Twitter and all of that. I get that, but you still have to remember the old school media. And if these guys are not and I'm not talking about just being newspapers here. I'm on about BBC Radio. Yeah. I'm on about TalkSport. I'm on about ITV, local news, stuff like that, where people still get a massive audiences that people are watching and will help them become, in, it'll help build them. Like Anthony Joshua wasn't just doing GQ magazine and stuff like that when he was starting out as a pro. He was speaking to everybody because they have to build them. Um, and that's, that's what they, they have to remember. The worrying thing is they've got their own media arm now. They can do their own stuff. They can put out their own stuff on YouTube. They can get plenty of publicity through that. But I think they've got to remember that kind of, you've got a wider audience that aren't tuned into the kind of matchroom thing. But my fear is that, yeah, PO is get involved and you can't get access unless you're going to give us credit for something for this and that. 
newspapers. The, the, sorry, John. The, the, good, the good thing from the zone so far is when the zone have done the broadcast, they have invited fighters from other channels yeah, on. Yeah. They've yeah. done interviews with Pro Gray and Crawford at Spence. They have, yeah. have not ignored it and pretended it doesn't exist like. Um, PBC do where they have the PBC rankings. The uh, zone have shown that they're quite open to it. Yeah. Maybe maybe the zone know that the only fights that are going to attract attention are mega fights. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm excited about the zone because I think. Yeah, it, although I do have fears about uh, boxing going off sky uh, out of sight, out of mind, and all of that kind of thing to the casual audience. I still think that if somebody's just putting a full faith in the sport and pushing and pushing and pushing. It will be a good thing. And as John says, they've shown in America, I'm not a massive fan of the broadcast team over there, but they have shown they will get fighters in. They will talk on the broadcast about other fighters, which is something that doesn't happen sometimes in the UK. So they have shown good signs. I'm just worried that Eddie Hearn will, will take that away from them, from doing that. I don't think they should have let them. I think they should push for their kind of own editorial decisions and stuff. Yeah, and you know the one that stood out to me. I think I mentioned on the pod around Christmas was the Callum Smith Canelo fight. They gave Terence Crawford and Errol Spence that night five six minutes of airtime each. Two fighters who there's at that time and still at the moment little chance of them fighting on the zone. But going back to what you said, this kind of media. What I think Eddie, and I hope he doesn't lose sight of, and I don't think he will, especially with pay per view and selling subscriptions, which he's got to do at the zone. Print media still drives the agenda. It's still what radio stations talk about. Now, Coogan, Box, IFL, Boxing Social, don't take away the job they're doing. They're, you know, they're getting big hits, big hits, you know, 30,000, 40,000 hits for, you know, British title challenges. Phenomenal. Um, but those, a lot of the people that are watching IFL, Boxing Social, seconds out. Um, they're already, they're already, they've already got them in. They're already subscribers. You do need the outside media that don't, you know, the sport, the general sports media, mainstream papers, five live talk sport to set agendas and bring in crowds that aren't boxing fans. You do still need them, even though papers aren't selling what they were and don't have the budget to go and cover stories and, and go and, you know, travel abroad as much as they used to covering big events. No, exactly. And it's kind of like the, the newspaper, even the newspaper websites have got a bigger kind of reach into, I'm not talking even numbers. I'm just talking about into different markets. As you say, the guys who, who run some great YouTube channels get some ma massive figures, but they're, they're already speaking to the boxing fans. The newspapers, the radio, the local TV, the national TV, get the other people who are just interested in... Uh, a lot of those are like my kind of mates who are into football, big, big yeah. time, like the big time boxing. They won't be watching Joseph Parker, Derek Tazora. They won't have watched Felix Cash, Denzel Bentley. But when Anthony Joshua rolls round, but when there's an, another big fight after that, they'll be into that. And that's why you need that coverage um, in, in, and get them in, in interested. They don't tune into the YouTube channels that cover boxing. It's not on their radar. But they do read the Daily Mail. They do read the Daily Star. They do read the Daily Mirror. They do listen to TalkSport and Five Live. So it, it gets in the more general kind of audience. Do, do oh, they finish? You have a good chat for a couple zone. minutes. Sorry. Ah, do, do they subscribe to the zone if there's no football package? And does that's boxing that. then disappear? And that's it. That's, that's a great point. And as someone who works in television said to me the other day, we were discussing it, and no one was knocking the zone. 
you know, every, you know, it, the guy was, you know, like like us to have praising what Matchroom were doing there. The Matchroom media is a great idea to do all the production. But would the Premier League now? I'm going off topic here. Consider even consider giving the zone a decent, a, a decent football uh, package. package. When I mean like, I mean Sunday football. If they don't have some sort of TV for people who don't stream everything. You know, like Amazon get a small contract where they get a little bit. But you can't see a major contract going to anyone outside Sky or BT at the moment because of that. In Italy, I think the zone, the zone offered more than Sky Italia for the next round of Serie A games. And I don't know what, what the upshot was in the end. They were meeting. They're considering still giving the deal to Sky Italia because of the wider audience they bring in. Because you will lose money, although you might earn more money in the rights fee, you'll lose money in sponsorship and stuff like that. Because if you're not giving the sponsors as many eyes on their product, they're going to withdraw. So that's what they'll have to balance. I suppose that might be similar in boxing. I know sponsorship's not much talked about, but will William Hill, will Betfred, will 32 Red, would they want to be on the canvas if there is a lot smaller audience for for them? Is it worth the same money for them? How much does that mean in boxing? I, I don't really know the details. So, but in football, sponsorship is a huge, huge thing. Shirt sponsorship, sleeve sponsorship, stuff like that is massive, massive money. And if their product is being tucked away somewhere else, that's not getting. I think a big thing for the zone, and I'm going into technicalities here, is getting on the sky box like Amazon yeah, has managed yes, to yeah, do. Yeah. If it's on there, it's more accessible. Okay, you can get it on your TV if you know how you to do Apple it. TV, but you yeah. have to go through your apps and all of that. And yeah. people like my and John's age, maybe good air. People like your age, Steve, old fogies. Hey, uh, I watched the zone. <laughs> I have an Apple TV, and, I, and I, I get it. So don't start that. We've got two minutes, and we better let John finish. We've got two minutes because oh, VIP are too mean to pay a subscription for us <laughs> to go longer. Go on, John. You better finish us off, John, because you haven't got a word in on this. No, no, I, I think we've pretty much covered it all, haven't we? You know, we, we've gone way over the end there. This, this positive. It's a long round, that one. My, my, big, my big worry is uh, that boxing is just seen by far, far fewer people. And the people that do watch it have a hardcore who know what they're watching. They know they're being lied to. And it, and it has a negative effect. If yeah. we look on the positive side, the, the, the actual presentation and everything's going to be fantastic. If you can tie it in with a football package, I think we could all be all be winners. But we've got no idea, have we? Yeah, we've got less than a minute. And I, I, look, you know, I don't, we're not being kicking the zone here. Let's just all hope it works and it's something. We're on here in a year's time saying, how fantastic is it with all this boxing, all the production, the talent, the commentary, everything is brilliant. Chris, Definitely. thanks very much for coming on again. You go and enjoy your week in the bubble, mate. And uh, yeah. behave yourself in Eddie's bubble, mate. I will do. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks a lot, John. No worries. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, Amateur and Pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.